welcome to the 9642 podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. This is where me and The Fool give our unqualified and unrequested ramblings on the various issues in the world of sport. Or something like that. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to our podcast. We are back to our bread and butter football yeah. premiership Ooh. variety. Yay. So much has happened in the last seven weeks. We will give yeah. special emphasis to certain teams. Yeah. And we will go into it. Now, uh, at the risk of uh, leading everything astray, how do you feel Chelsea's last seven weeks have gone? <laughs> um... Uh, not great, I have to say. I mean, there's up and down. There's been moments. Um, yeah, I'd, it's it's hard to put into words. I know we're gonna talk about Chelsea more in depth, obviously, yeah. um, either in this podcast later on or in another. Yeah. Um, the how do you feel Graham Potter has done so far with the one game and like Tuchel, the last six games he's had. Yeah, so I've, I really haven't formulated an opinion. I sort of felt, the Tuchel, I sort of felt like it was both too soon and too late. Like, it. Yeah. They need If they were going to sack him, they needed the sack him earlier. Like, there was no point spending 200 plus million on players just for Tuchel's system to then run out the clock on the tu- on the transfer window and then sack him. If they were always, apparently always going to do it. Or that I... they'd already done the review and these decisions were being made based off that and that review was previous my understanding of it is it's not so much that they'd made the decision early on but once they had once they started they needed to lean on thomas tuchel for transfer stuff because uh todd bowley for all whatever faults he may have he doesn't think he's a football expert that knows everything (laughs) like ed woodward And he basically, like Thomas Tuchel complained about it, right? That yeah. he was being, that was... it was way outside his pay grade and he was being told to do stuff. And, you know, he's not even really had a summer off. He's been really busy. He's super busy, and... yeah. And apparently the big bit was when Peter Cech was moved on. That was the yeah. bit that, um, that Tuchel was really upset about because Cech had been one that he relied on. He was the guy that would actually do all that um you know, Tuchel could just be like, oh, those are the sort of players I want to Peter Cech would be like, yeah, I'll work with Maria, we'll get the stuff sorted. And, and did all that stuff. And so once... So Maria like, left and, and Todd... Tuchel is the sort of player who's... A sort of manager, I get the impression, who's kind of happy as long as you give him a coherent squad that has a philosophy. Yeah. He goes, okay, I will... Uh, execute that philosophy surely it helps if he has a more defensive team that's very well structured but he's not yeah. that fast about oh yeah this is how my team plays this is how we practice he's not conte who no, goes no. conte is all like every little bit has to be automatic everything i want you to do in the key moments of the game has to be automatic and like guardiola's kind of a hybrid of the two of them right like yeah, somewhere yeah. in between and Klopp is sort of like on the Conte school, but completely different philosophy on what he wants yeah, to do. Yeah. He thinks more about tactics and what you're doing in relation to your teammates as opposed to when you have the ball, this is what I want you to do. Like, you know, like a yeah, robot. Yeah. Almost Conte wants that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the um, Tuchel, like, kind of 
but and I think Tuchel did a really good job of holding the club together during those really uncertain months when Chelsea yeah, yeah. didn't have an owner, couldn't negotiate with anybody, just keeping the players' morale up. Um, I mean, he's going through. He had been going through some personal stuff in his. Yeah, there is that as well. well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I do. I think maybe it was best for both parties in the end. Thomas Tuchel, look, I felt like he was a bit burnt out at Chelsea. Yeah. Like he'd done way more than anyone could have really asked, and well, the realistically, there's not much further he could. Yeah, he's probably spent, and like that relationship yeah. looks like. Todd Bowley's like, yep, he's good and all, but I don't think, personally, I want to work with him long term. Yeah, but that's what I mean, is that, whilst you're right, the decision hadn't been made until more recently. The decision was based off um, reviews and and analysis done earlier. That's what I mean. So Bowley had already, hadn't decided, but he'd already done all the stuff he was doing of the reviews around it. It just took this long for it to decide what that was going to be done about it. Um, but you're right that Tuchel was burnt out I think like he'd realistically course. even if it was done earlier why have him go to Dinamo Zagreb that's such a weird decision that's what, that's what I mean it was it effectively it? puts you guys really far behind like I'm sure Chelsea will still qualify from yeah. a Champions League group but you know points dropped and can end up being like you know really really uh, important and you might end up going you know what happens if you do get pushed down into third or worst case fourth you know you're not even in the Europa League at that point yeah yeah exactly um, so I think definitely there's some timing issues and that's probably an experience thing with Todd Bowley like he doesn't yeah. uh, he didn't quite figure out the right time to fire and like what does this tell the next general manager he's already spent like 200 300 million like he's dropped a lot of money on players for the club exactly who, how much is the next general manager going to get yeah. to spend and figure out the structure but if i think it's a bit of a hint that he's take like you can figure out what he wants to do the fact that he's taken graham potter he wants to implement that style and he wants to buy multi from that interview he wants to implement multiple by multiple clubs. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Potter is that the, uh, probably the best manager to get because Graham Potter's much more reactive and he's very much one. He'll, this is a squad, okay, what do I, what's good, what's bad, how can I work with this, how, what's the next opponent doing, okay, what do I need to do for that with what I've got. And so and the one downside of firing Tuchel after spending, you know, 200 plus million pounds over the summer for his, for Tuchel's players, basically, um, is that at least Graham Potter's going to come in and is going to be able to work with them. Like, you could have other managers that that might not have worked with because they would be like, like well, these Aubameyang signing is, in particular, really weird. Yeah, yeah. But let's not dwell on Chelsea. No, Give no, him a grade no. for, the, uh, for the season so far. Uh, C minus, I guess. I mean, they did draw against Salzburg, which mm, yeah. they've had two weekends off, so they can't have lost any more. So, but I'll give them a C minus. It's it's they're hanging in there. Yeah. Well, for me, Manchester United. Wow, did they look bad at the beginning? Yeah. But 
I have to give Ten Hag Ten Hag a lot of props. The fact that he went on that eleven and a half jog with the players and apparently was absolutely shattered, like yeah. nearly nearly dying at the end. But the players respected it that he was like, okay, the, you were outrun by Chris, uh, by Brentford by eleven at I think thirteen and a half uh, kilometers. Yeah. So they had to go for a thirteen and a half kilometer jo uh, run. Run, yeah. And he joined them. Like at first, they were just like, yes. "What the hell is this?" And then, oh, he's actually doing it with us. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, like, yeah, you say respect and for he, that. And he basically, apparently, he gave them a real piece of his mind. He's like, "Like, I have no interest. Like, I'm absolutely not going to lose my reputation and put up with your crap." Blah blah blah. And he sent a bunch of players to you know, sent them to the youth team locker rooms and reserve team locker rooms because there's no room for them. Like, literally no space and the, because the Old Trafford locker room only holds about 26 player yeah. Okay, so players like, you know, uh, uh, like jo Jones and, and the people like them, they've moved, uh, they've kind of been moved to the reserve locker room or like the youth locker rooms from what I understand. So, Phil oh, wow. Jones... So he's not afraid to, you know, look, he's basically uh, not let Ronaldo do whatever he wants either. So no, exactly. And the team, like, uh, I actually thought uh, both Liverpool and Arsenal were going to absolutely thrash United. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, United played pr really well against Liverpool. Um, I thought, yeah. um, even if they let in a bit of a soft goal, um, and ditto against Arsenal, and they've kind of been okay, like, Sociedad was a tough game, and they were really naive, they could have beaten Sociedad, but didn't, so I will, I'm willing to give Ten Hag a B, I don't think that's being too lenient. No, no, it's pretty good, he's saying it's a rough start, but, um, mm. yeah. Definitely after that Brentford game, it's been a, a changed Man United. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're getting... They've started to find a bit of the old selves. Yeah, I mean, if... Like, because of the top four picture is a bit interest uh, With Chelsea and Liverpool being changed around, um, like, if... You, where would you think uh, would be considered a successful thing for Chelsea? What position? If they can't finish, uh, do they need to be finishing in the top four? Or do you, um, a Euro spot is enough? No, I still think they need to be in the top four. Like, we spent plenty of money over the, the summer. Um, we, you know... Hey, yeah, but like, last not season. this manager, right? Not this manager. I mean, it's... Like, would you be like, Graham Potter needs to get the sack if you finished fifth or sixth? No, I probably wouldn't be that. Um, but I'm pretty lenient on managers anyway, generally. Um, I, I, I think for it to be a success, it has to be top four. I think if it's European football somewhere, even um, Europe or Conference League... What's your bare like minimum? Bare minimum is Europe. Like, if he okay. finishes outside of any European slot and he gets no Europe next year, then it's like, look, this is... You've, it's not working. You need someone else. It's done. But that yeah. goes for just about any manager at Chelsea. Like you don't get um, European a European slot of some sort. Like you have the you need to go. That's just yeah, yeah. 
Def uh, definitely understand that one. Um, moving on from another club that's underperforming. So you're ahead of Liverpool at the moment, yeah. uh, both on six games because you didn't both of you didn't play in the weekend. No. Um, what would we rate Liverpool? Pretty. <laughs> I think we, well. we can tell. I think Liverpool have played their players, especially that starting eleven who are there, just have played so many games last season, yeah. and they played well into the end of last season. I can tell, and the fact that they haven't had as much of an off season and are starting earlier, that's really shown, I think, on yeah. the players' output and their um, product. You know, their end product on the field, and also like their tiredness and how like. There's a lot of criticism for people like Trent not just jogging back, not running in. I'm just like, yeah, but they're burnt out. These emotion. I think the team is emotionally and physically burnt out. And unfortunately for Klopp, like the club just haven't backed him. No. I think like they haven't bought him the recruitments he needs in central midfield to keep, you know, yeah. refreshing the squad. I mean, we talked about it for the last few seasons, right? That Liverpool eventually were going to fall over because of the lack of, of depth in their squad. Um, mm. I think you're right. This is just this is the season where that's actually showing. I mean, we had been talking about injuries, and uh, yeah, I guess the other side of that isn't is is the mental fatigue as well. Like football's as much a mental game as it is a physical game. Um, yeah. And it takes a lot of other players to perform at the level they've been performing. Um, so yeah, not surprised that they're burnt out. And you're right, it's what it's what it's looking like. Um, I guess it's not that much a surprise that the only game where they put in a a big effort was against Bournemouth. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two wins, uh, and I think they're having trouble finding goals at the end. And obviously, they're conceding a lot of soft goals. Yeah. Um, the defense seems all over. Um, but they're Liverpool, like, it's still Klopp. I still, and he's he's going to have a fully fresh Saha, uh, sorry, fully fresh um, Salah at the, yeah. um, after the World Cup in uh, for the Christmas fixtures. That could be, like, Liverpool, I feel like, just need to get as many points as they can on the board until the World Cup starts and then hope none of their players get injured. But that's really unlikely because yeah. many of their players play for England and are going to start or play yeah. for their national team and are going to start exactly like they're just going to they're going to come back not rested they're going to be just as mm. burnt out like it's they're, they're going to need Salah to carry almost yeah that will be be the case um and Jordan Henderson being injured is a huge huge blow yeah oh yeah that's huge for them that's yeah it's going to be hard um, covering for Henderson. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. Like, I don't think the club has bought a player to cover for Henderson, and if uh, and it's and uh, it's difficult to see how it all works together uh, without him. But you know, January transfer windows there as well. So yeah. hopefully, um, I think I fully expect the owners, if they're going to back Klopp after giving him a five-year contract at the end of last season. Yeah. I think uh, they've got, if they're going to back him, they got to back him. So they got to buy, get the personnel, the playing, the players in for him. Yeah, well, exactly. They really do have to start um, 
getting getting more players in so that they've got depth in each of their positions. But yeah, you say they're giving Klopp another five years on his contract. They've just got to. Basically, if they ever want to win the league again, like, they can't rely on just being perfect and Manchester City being slightly less perfect. Because Manchester yeah. City, can, at the moment, they can win on second gear this league, this season. Oh, yes, exactly. Like, every cl- other club has to be perfect to beat Manchester City at second gear, just because they can refresh their players, and, like, you know, there's not going to be yeah, any yeah. players. That and they're going to have a fully fresh uh, Haaland in that Christmas fixture list. Like, it's yeah, exactly. going to be chaos. Like, I mean, he's going to eat. He's already eating all the other yeah. teams, right? Just imagine yeah, when yeah. everybody else is World Cup weary and coming back and, yeah. Pacey Holland and Harlem's just like, hey, I haven't played football for a while. I really want to do this thing. Yeah. So, he's... Uh, that's the situation. Like, Manchester City, like, we all talked about it. Didn't we said at the beginning uh, of the season, like, when they got Haaland, I'm like, okay, so they've won the league, right? So yeah, yeah. We thought... But now that Liverpool are... I still expect Liverpool to be top four in the end, just because of Klopp, and yeah. I expect the club to back him with some signings in January. Um, but yeah, the whole thing—it's—it's it's a bit messy. Like Liverpool could drop out if those things don't happen. Um, now, City—do we even need to say A plus? So Maybe. far, yeah, like a few games so. here and there. Like they always start a bit slow, a few draws, but maybe they'll get yeah. a loss between now and the World Cup. But they should win most of their games. They just look unstoppable at the moment. Like, and like Holland's the cheat code, right? Like every game yeah. where City look like they're, we don't know how they're gonna score goals. They just can't break down a team, and there's just nothing happening. Holland just goes, "Yep, that's." I'm on it, yeah. boys, and just wills a goal, like, through sheer, like, you know, willpower. Yeah, And, exactly. like, talent. And, like, does something outrageous, and you're just like, okay. Yeah, Like, exactly. how are you meant to defend against that? When a defender, there's so many instances where, like, a defender who's marking Haaland does everything perfectly that you expect a central defender to do as a, as a group, and Haaland still scores. Like, how yeah. do you, you know, he's a mutant, you know? He pretty much is. Like you're right. He's just a cheat code. Like, like the like you know, uh, there's like I was listening to another uh, podcast about the NFL, and they were having a discussion around whether teams needed to have a mutant at quarterback to cons- <laughs> to actually win the Super Bowl because you need yeah. like you know, uh, if you don't have a goat level player like Tom Brady, for example, you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you need a mutant now to be like, you know, going forward and like, yeah, like basically yeah, Haaland and I guess Mbappe, they're mutants, but I haven't seen as much of Mbappe for PSG, but yes, Haaland, I'm just like, yeah, this, this guy is scary good. He is scary good. We knew he was scary good, but he's it's beyond really that. scary good. Yeah. Yeah. No, he is beyond what we thought. Um, it is, it is scary and you're Crazy. right in that. Because yeah, he I mean, almost went to United instead of Dortmund 
in yeah. 2017 before the uh, sorry just before 20, was it 2020 just before the uh, lockdowns happened with it oh, right, yeah, because yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer almost had that deal done and United didn't do it yeah oh. no. I suppose we could have got him technically could have got him last year as well if we'd um, gone that route so it's how the cookie crumbles a bit but yeah yeah, uh, yeah you're right that City just are cruising through this at the moment Arsenal and Tottenham are keeping up with them but yeah, uh, just sort of that, like but Arsenal, like you saw what happens against United. Like Arsenal deserved to win that game. That that scoreline really flattered United. Yeah, I think Arsenal. But they just did some, you know, some naive mistakes, and they just, you know, United got two goals in quick succession. Yeah. Um, where like, but they've got a good solid team um i don't the reasonable amount of depth as well um it'll be interesting to see how much game time like gabriel jesus has got to go to the world cup right yeah like is it crazy that brazil are going uh maybe you're surplus to requirements I, i'm sorry nobody else in that brazilian squad other than neymar other yeah. than neymar nobody else is as good as him as a striker sure him Vecinius Jr., Neymar, you know, that should be their forward line. Exactly. Just That's but, a scary forward line when you think about it. But, but you know, the TT loves Richarlison. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure that, he does. he's not a bad player. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, surely Gavi Jesus has to go at least as a sub to that World yeah, Cup yeah. squad, right? Uh, yeah. It's crazy to think. I mean, we're going to look at World Cup squads when they're announced, but that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It is a crazy um, thought. You're right. Um, uh, but yeah, sorry, I mean, I was just going to say, Arsenal need to... They've basically had a perfect start, and they've got to continue that if they want to yeah. keep up with the city. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be crazy to see how that all pans out, and whether Arsenal and Tottenham can keep, keep the pace. Exactly. And Spurs have started really well. Look, if there's yeah. a manager that can catch up with uh, Guardiola, it's Conte, right? He's got yeah. a system. He knows what he's doing. And the club have built to that system. And he's getting yeah. the... Like, that's a weird thing now. Because because Antonio Conte has usually been the guy who stays at a club for a few years, wins a lot of stuff, and then moves on after spending a lot of money. Now that he's... Like, the kind of money to get the really good players, he has to be in a Premier League club. Like, I don't think Conte, like, other big clubs, I don't think they're looking for a manager who's there, for, other than maybe Real Madrid, and I'm sure Conte might get an opportunity at Real Madrid. But right yeah. now, they've got, you know, um, Ancelotti, who's basically, like, the older version of Conte. Yeah. <laughs> In that he doesn't really have a system, and he comes in for a few, for a few seasons, wins a lot, and then you know he moves on. Yeah, yeah. Where uses the play, whereas Conte has to have a rigid system. I don't think Real Madrid's going to do that. For example, um, I don't think that would work at Barcelona. Um, you know, would he coach in Germany? Mm. You know, they're not going to back him with the sort of money he's looking for unless he's going to Bayern. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting thing, and like you know, where does he, where can he go in Italy? So he might have to be in Spurs for the long haul. It'll be interesting to see what a long-term 
Antonio Conte project looks like. Yeah, yeah. Because Spurs want to be a cemented top four side at the moment. I think Conte yeah. can make them that. Yeah, yeah. And if they get like, and basically Spurs want to, and once that step is taken, they want to be able to challenge, you know, at least for a top two spot. Exactly. I think. Yeah, we'll at least be in that conversation. Yeah, and then like deep cup runs. They need a trophy for sure. 100%. Right, yeah. That's what they're looking at. And now, yeah, so I think Arsenal, Spurs, the two North London clubs, we got to give them A pluses, right? They've both had yeah, yeah. great starts to this season so far. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're definitely A plus. The top three, I think that we could extend that to the top four. Brighton, yeah. yeah. Brighton, said, yeah. A plus. A plus as well. Uh, like, they've had an awesome start. Um, going, I see that the Brighton fans got a bit upset with um, Potter leaving for us, but at the same time, most of them like, understand. They were just a bit grumpy about it because of how well they were, had been doing um, and a bit worried yeah. that that might um, break up the flow. But... Because, yeah, a lot of the backroom staff went with Potter, but they'd sort of come with him as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, some of them had come with him, and then some of them had gone. Some of them had been there already, and, but then still went with him. But um, but yeah. the new Brighton manager does uh, come with a, a great reputation. Um, Roberto Di Zerbi, uh, 43 years old, he... Used to manage Sassuolo, got them into the Champions League. All right. Um, He almost got Benevuto, prevented them from being relegated. Um, So he uh, got some interesting tactical uh, stuff that he does in Italy. Um, I think it's a very, like, I think all the, you know, tactics nerds are like, ooh, we really like this. Um, Bye. And we really, sorry, we really like this signing. We think it's a great... Uh, great option. Um, uh, I'm inclined to agree because I think he is a good manager, and Brighton's a place where he will get time to implement his system. Like at the yeah, moment, yeah. he's just uh, he's probably just being told to work with what players he has, and and he's able to do that because he manages at a because he's also went to Shakhtar and won yeah, the yeah. league there. So he um, so he has he's he's able to go to a dominant club and go you know let's win and outperform and he's also be able to you know make an over you know a mid-table size overperform their budget and whatnot yeah yeah exactly so, so i think that's a does sound like a good um good hiring for for brighton and that should um yeah should be good um so it's saying it's not like they've got a, a bad squad as such so um i'm sure he'll do well and continue to like build on Otter's um, success yeah. over the last couple of years of, of turning Brighton into a mid-table. Yeah, um, and Brighton team. always scout well, yeah. recruit well, have a good youth system, so they've got a really good setup at Brighton, so I imagine it will go well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another club, I think, because we've already talked about Manchester United, um, the club from West London, that's above Chelsea, Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting to me that Fulham 
because the last few times they got promoted into Premiership, they did the whole sell a lot of their Championship players and buy a lot of Premiership caliber players and then, you know, couldn't gel in time to get yeah. into it. And it's obviously it's had its issues, um, which is like what Nottingham Forest has done. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, Fulham this time kind of did a hybrid. They did halfway between Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. They half, yeah. um, they did, uh, they kept a bunch of their players who, and but they also took in a bunch of key interesting players. I mean, Mitrovic is on the form of his life, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, out. And it's gonna be he's they're gonna hope like hell that he doesn't get injured in the world cup because that might end their season right then and there yeah, yeah um but so far so good fulham um and marco silva is a good coach he knows how to get he, he knows how to adjust his team um you know with the players he has and get the best out of them so i think yeah fulham i gotta give him an a at least if not an a plus yeah, I think, yeah, right. They're pretty much also going to have an A+. Plus. Um, they're well outperforming expectations. Um, yeah. And you say they're the better of the West London clubs. So At the moment. At the moment. For the moment. I mean, we do have an extra... They have played one more game than us, so that gives a little bit of benefit there. But um, Yeah. Yeah. But let's give them the A+, plus as well. Um, moving on, Liverpool. Mm, I mean, we talked okay. about them a little bit, shall we? I think we gotta. I, I can't go higher than a C. Yeah, I think the same. Like it's. Yeah. If there's stuff to the hope for, but there's. I'm sure there's a lot of disappointed Liverpool fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's a lot the same as the Chelsea, as us Chelsea fans. Like it's. It's not really what. We're expecting things aren't quite looking well. Um, with them, it's been more draws than losses, so I mean, there's that. But yeah, I think a C at best. Yeah. Um, next up, Brentford. I think they've so far had a decent season. Um, they're at the moment ninth, two wins, two losses. It's what you expect Brentford to do. I think uh, Jesse yeah. March has got the team working well. Really, obviously, reliant on Ivan Tony. Um, yeah. I would be shocked if Tony doesn't make the trip to Qatar, but he might not. Um, hmm. Given Gareth Southgate does not like, uh, is probably too loyal for his own good to the players who have played for him previously. So yeah, yeah. Brentford. Um, if Tony doesn't go to the World Cup, Brentford might do really, really well. Because coming back, a refreshed Ivan Tony playing against their rivals, could see them going very well. But um, so far, they've probably lost more games than you know, lost games a bit naively every now and then. Um, definitely, still some work in progress there. So I'm gonna give them a B plus for me. B plus, yeah, I think that is pretty um pretty good for them. I think that's about right, as you say the pretty much at or just above expectations um, and where they'd like to see themselves they'd say it's still very reliant on Tony um, but when haven't they been over the last couple of seasons so yeah yeah let's call it a B plus 
Um, Newcastle United. Um, now, I think we were very optimistic about them, and mm. still pretty optimistic, I think. But uh, yeah. one win out of seven games, that's a bit disappointing, especially because the team hasn't looked bad. No. Um, they've looked very um, strong. Um, now, once again, after the World Cup, if Alan St. Maximum doesn't make that French squad, and he might not, because France are stacked. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely stacked um, in the forward positions. Um, if he doesn't make that France squad, he could come back refreshed for Newcastle. I mean, I still think they're unlucky with the uh, if we I'm sure if we did a look at their expected goals and expected points they would be winning more games and getting further ahead but at this stage they're only 10 points behind Arsenal um, with the, so at 10th place it's not too bad, not um, too bad. I don't expect Newcastle but I think Newcastle want to be finishing at least sixth or at least seventh to get a European spot. So if we're looking at Chelsea's position at seventh, you know Newcastle are about two points, uh, two points behind with Chelsea having a game in hand. So mm. I can't be over generous. I think Newcastle B minus for me. Yeah, um, you say it's a lot of draws for Newcastle, which is disappointing. But at the same time. It could have been worse. Like if it, those have been losses, there'd been a whole, lot more um, problems. So yeah, it's it's a hard to say. And it being tenth, nice in the middle, it's a very middling sort of I think, thing. So I think that's a justified position for them to yeah. be in. To be fair, say it's it's you just think that they given the money behind them that maybe they'd be higher, but at the same point they haven't really. Mm. Splash the cash. Yet. So, I think you're right. B minus seems seems a fairly fair. You don't really. I can't can't couldn't give them a C plus or a C, and a B maybe, but B plus seems too high. So let's go with B minus. It seems seems fair. Um. Uh, Leeds United, I think, performing really well. They're one of the clubs people thought might be getting relegated this season. People, you um, mean us? <laughs> yes, and they've had a very. They've got their new tactics with Jesse March, uh, really, really good. I think, really fun to watch. Um, yeah. I think Leeds, six games. Realistically, uh, that that. They're all, I'm almost inclined to give them an A, given their resources and what you know, players they've lost and what they've done with refreshing the squad after their second season, after and their third season back from yeah, yeah. Uh, championship. So I think for me that's got to be a uh, that's got to be. I mean, sure, there's still a day at this stage. Everyone in the bottom ten is still a danger for relegation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Leeds. That, so. Yeah, so but Leeds. Yeah, I think I can A minus for me. Yeah, I was with Leeds. I'm looking between a B plus or an A minus. Um, as you say, we we had them picked for relegation, and they're not really looking relegation fodder at the moment. As you say it's early days, so everybody's still within touching distance of that, or just about everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
it could it won't take a lot yeah. to change their their fortunes but yeah i probably lean towards the a minus as well just because at the moment they are you know these first six games of theirs they've have overperformed so yeah yeah um afc bournemouth uh once again i think another a minus yeah. here they're above yeah. what we would expect in terms of points they're grinding out results they're definitely getting their asses handed to them every now and then but they're taking the wins where they can get them so yeah more power to them like they've got the worst goal difference in the league at the moment yeah. <laughs> just uh, the negative 13 but <laughs> um, uh, you know eight points can't complain um exactly like, yeah a minus for me yeah, no, I think for all the reasons I just said for Leeds, you know, Bournemouth were also one of the other sides we had pegged as a relegation fodder, along with, I think, it was Fulham. So, you know, showing our um, ability to pick teams that are going to, to not perform. Um, but yeah, I think A- minus for, for Bournemouth as well, same as Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, and from... Them. We've got uh, next. We've got Everton, who have uh, uh, had a disappointing season, I think, by their standards. Mm. Um, they just look lifeless and listless on the pitch. So I think well, their one saving grace is they're not Aston Villa under Stevie <laughs> Gerrard, because I think Frank, Frank is kind of going with, kind of adapting his tactics and trying to get the team to play to the team's strengths at least yeah, yeah like i feel like there's a bit more life in everton than there is in aston villa so i think i will give them a uh, c minus in fact i think everton southampton villa i'll give them all c minuses i will give crystal palace a c plus because they've had a very tough run of fixtures and still at a decent position yeah, I think I, I mostly agree with that. Um, you're right that Crystal Palace has had the much tougher of the fixtures. Um, so yeah, they can have a bit of leeway for that. You know, you can't face the top clubs and expect to be coming away with, with large point hauls. Um, and, and in fact, Crystal Palace is only at a minus two goal difference with... Was it... It's, City and Arsenal and Tottenham or something like that. Um, so, you know, that definitely is good for them. Um, yeah, Everton, Southampton, Aston Villa, definitely underperforming. Um, I think Everton yeah. and... and uh, no, actually, I think I agree. I was going to split them out a little bit, but... It's just... But no, I think all of them... Would expect to be doing better. They should all be mid-table-ish or above. Um, yeah, so I also am going to be a bit lenient on Wolves. There's something... They're very unlucky on the XG. Like, they're just not yeah. getting enough goals at the end. But they're nice. They're controlling the games. They've got a lot of possession. They don't concede much. They're very... Um, yeah, the... They're, yeah. they're a fun team to watch as well. Um, so, I think... Wolves, I'm going to give them a C plus because I mean, think two of the Wolves' losses were to Man City and Tottenham. So, you know, you, you give them a bit there. Once again, it's... Yeah. You're not expected to to win against the those top teams. I mean, for Wolves, it'd be disappointing for the draws against the likes of Newcastle, um, Bournemouth, Fulham, 
Like these are, are games that would have, that have hurt. And it's only draws, but um, yeah, that's yeah. where that's where the points needed to come from. Um, yeah, those other clubs are, you know, they're they're probably going to have relegation battles to go through. Yeah. So Wolves want to put a gap between those clubs and them in the points table as early as possible. Exactly, and um, having those ones early on just means like that's the first set of games against them gone. So now we're going to face everyone else, and like, yeah. yeah, you can be. The Wolves are currently in the relegation danger oh, area, right. I guess, um, at 17th. So, but yeah, it, it feels like they may be there for a while. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit of a scrappy first half of the season for them. This because they can start putting together some 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 yeah. results. Now the three clubs in the relegation area, 18th to 20. Like okay, West Ham, Nottingham Forest, D D's for those two teams. Um, oh, Leicester D minus. I'd give West Ham the same as Leicester D minus. I mean, come on, what is West Ham doing down in 18th? Nottingham Forest, like, yeah, it's a D, but it might be a D plus because they've got four points on the board, so they managed to win in that time. And true. Yeah. I mean, we were hoping yeah, for yeah, right, right. Nottingham Forest D plus. I agree with you that yeah. I'll change my mind. West Ham, Leicester D minus. D minus. I mean, neither of those two teams should be in that in these positions. Um, Leicester, even <laughs> like F. Zed, what's the lowest grade you could possibly give Leicester? Like, it's just been horrible for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, Leicester's got to sort something out somewhere. No wins, one draw, six losses. I mean, really. Minus 12. Club are in trouble with FFP. They can't get yeah. new players. I don't know what they'll do if they get relegated. Like, Leicester could have yeah. the Leeds effect of getting relegated and going in as far as the second division, like Blackburn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would be worried if I was a Leicester fan, um, but I don't know. What do you do with Brendan Rodgers? Like, is there anyone better who can take them further than they are at the moment? Yeah. Tuchel? (laughs) Tuchel, yeah. Tuchel. He's available. Um, Yeah, I know that that is the question for Leicester, like... Um, is it is it even worth getting rid of um, Rogers? But I mean, I not. understand if you're a fan, you want to do something. Yeah. But if you're, but at the end of the day, like, is it gonna be, uh, gonna be, uh, is it gonna be effective? I mean, sure, yeah. Tuchel, yeah, but can you imagine Tuchel at Leicester? <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Even he like tried to get half their team to Chelsea. Yeah, I suppose it's a good point. He's a, he's a good fit. He obviously likes um, the Leicester City team. So yeah, well, if you can't, you know, he's got to go to the mountain sometimes. Can't bring the mountain to him. That's true. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a difficult position. Like Nottingham Forest, at least if they get relegated, they can do the whole yo-yo club thing. Um, yeah. Whereas Leicester, I can't, I can't imagine with their FFP problems what 
Like Nottingham Forest gamble, they had to go for that gamble to try yeah. and do. Like I have no problem with what they did, how they did it. No. And like also, I think Steve Cooper is a really good man manager, and he's done well with clubs being promoted into the Premier League before, like he as the manager of Reading. Yeah. And so I think if there's any man who can get all these new players to gel and you know work together to try and keep the club uh, afloat, it's him. Um, whereas like West Ham, David Moyes and Brendan Rodgers, what uh, is this a like? Uh, does Thomas Tuchel go to West Ham? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? Like. Both of those clubs must be looking at Tuchel and just trying to work out whether he's going to be the 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 key for making things better. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Tuchel might just want to take some time off from management just to I could imagine. get his bearing. Yeah. But you know, like every big club in the world has surely their man. Every manager who's slightly underperforming, like Julian Nagelsmann at Bayern's, apparently on the hot seat yeah and like the uh, I think uh, if you have let's, like I said in the premiership there's already the West Ham Leicester Villa like all these clubs mm. that just like you know Thomas Tuchel why not like, yeah why not it, 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 there's a shadow on every manager who underperforms because Thomas Tuchel is available and yeah. like, like uh, any team, there's a lot of teams that'd be happy to have him. No, oh, exactly. He's, I do think I agree with you that Tuchel will probably want some time off. As you say, he's had a bit of a hell of a year, really. Um, I can imagine that he would be looking to just have a bit of time away and, and let things unwind a bit. Yeah. But, you know, say come come Christmas, you know, you'll be looking again. And, and you know, basically it could be that these these coaches have got to till, till the World Cup, basically, to turn performances right. around. All right. Prediction time. Before the World Cup break, are we going to see any more sackings? Hmm. <sighs> Actually, I had the feeling that, yes, it's probably going to be Rodgers at City. Um, yeah. Like, they're just not looking good, and as you say, it's, it's uncertain how they can... Is it the race? Because if Leicester fire Rodgers, does West Ham then have to fire Moy so they can get Tuchel? Well, that's, there does come that a bit as well, like... What do they... Like, there's going to be a domino effect, right? Because yeah, yeah. there is a Thomas Tuchel-shaped hole. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel-shaped shadow, right? And as yeah. soon as some one club fires their... Like, okay, I don't think Bournemouth's going to fire um, their manager. I don't think Brighton's going to fire their manager. Like, you yeah. know, they'll those p managers will be given time. I don't think Patrick Vieira's leaving Palace. No. Um um, Ralph Haffelhussel at Southampton? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, once again, does Wolves Thomas Tuchel... 
Wolves, maybe. Maybe. But does Thomas Tuchel want to play, uh, manage a club that's not in the top four? Isn't got Champions League? Yeah, well, exactly. So, I mean, really looking at West Ham, Leicester City have, is be the main ones he'd be looking at. Um, and probably out of that, West Ham, because they should be doing a lot better than they are. Um, West Ham's in London, like, you yeah. know, and, and he can... London too. Because, yeah, I think if I were a manager, it was between Leicester and West Ham, I'd want the West Ham job. Yeah, that would be my thought too. Though I do quite like the Leicester players as well, so... I mean, the Leicester club feels like it'd be a very, very smooth um, job without, yeah, have a lot of things going for you and... and things would would to me would feel easy like not being a manager or you know in any way shape or form knowing exactly what's going on Leicester um other than the current just absolute shit show that's going on um it's always felt Leicester's always felt like a it's a a, a well-run club right it's, it's got yeah. all the things going for it so um we used yeah. to always talk about the way we describe Brighton is how we used to describe Leicester. So yeah. I think as much as I talk doom and gloom, even if Leicester were to be relegated, I feel like they would get promoted right back up. But I think it's very difficult to lay a lot of the blame on Brendan Rodgers, given they've yeah. had no recruitment at all. I mean, that's the harsh bit. Like, it feel really harsh for Leicester to sack Rodgers, given, as you say, there's not a lot... Not what he could be doing about it all. Like, it's sort of out of his hands. Um, I do feel like if they get relegated, I don't think they'd come up. Unless because they sorted some stuff out, they might not come back up straight away, but they'd be back up in a, in a year or two. Um, you know, they might be spent a season down in the championship and then, then bounce yeah. back up. Um, but when they came back up, I felt like I feel like they'd be coming back up to stay again. Uh, yeah. So, we'll see how it goes. You say it's... it's there is issues. Um, I just feel that's probably the place where it's more likely to have a firing. Um, that said, if West Ham is more likely the one that Duke would want to go to, so mm. we'd have to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, I mean, it could end up being that way, like the whole um, you know uh, so many ex-Chelsea managers managing in the Premier League like <laughs> and one of them tempt Mourinho to come mm, in come on we all know mm. we need a bit of Uncle Mo in our life we do need Uncle Mo in our life right now because we did say we were going to talk about Chelsea Let's talk about Chelsea. Um, did you watch that interview that Todd Bowley gave? No, I haven't about... seen that interview actually, no. I've seen That's... reports on it, oh, bits of pieces on it, but I haven't seen the interview itself. I, like, like, I know a lot of people, the big thing people uh, have taken from it is a suggestion about an all-star game. Yeah. Now, but to be clear, he said that in a very offhand, like, compare, this is money we get on a weekday at the, for having, like, you know, an all-star game. 
with this sort of viewership numbers, blah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. and the Premier League is not exploiting something similar. He didn't say, we need an all-star game. And he said, no, like, no. for example, we could do this. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, he was doing some big pie-in-the-sky thinking, and yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea is a bad idea. Uh, but this is the thing, he's saying all this kind of publicly, and like discussing his thoughts on what to do. Like, I can't imagine Roman Abramovich, or the Glaziers, no, exactly. Or a, a lot of owners, Todd. Like Todd Bowley, like it's pretty interesting that he thinks Chelsea's future, what he wants Chelsea to do is become a super club, like a proper, like the way Manchester City and the Red Bull Group, you know, be like the flat, you know, this the fl- uh, the the flagship of a fleet of clubs, as opposed to being like its own, you know, independent ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I do know the um, Chelsea Reddit. Um, the Chelsea Reddit wasn't so upset about that. R slash football decided to to go all in on that one and complain about it and, and stuff. But yeah. They're having a, a Red Bull type thing. It's like, well, you say, that's pretty much what City does anyway, so. I, and that might be the model going forward, right? Like. Hmm how you stay relevant competitively like he owns multiple sports teams already it makes yeah complete sense to me that when you go to the chelsea mega store you can buy los angeles dodgers gear because he yeah. owns the los angeles dodgers like yeah that why would you not do that it's part of the group yeah it's part of the group and like if they bought a club in portugal like he was saying i don't think like it could be any of the big three, or one of some of the, one of the bigger clubs like Braha, or you know, yeah, yeah. Victoria Setúbal. It might even have to be a second division club that goes, you know, that slowly gets promoted into the system. But like you know, he wants Chelsea to have a way, and it's interesting. He got Graham Potter. If Graham Potter is stylistically designing the system for a Chelsea group. I don't think this club will be called Chelsea in Portugal either. Like, you know, he thinks it's an ideal place to bred uh, South American players, which I agree. Um, like, you know, yeah, um, you could have a club in Portugal, a club in somewhere like Belgium. Yeah. Like, Manchester United for a while had that system where Royal Antwerp was like uh, Manchester United's, uh, you know, satellite club in the Belgian yeah. League. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's not. I mean, to be fair, the concept's not that new. And the flip side of that is what they would do if that club were to ever make the Champions League, because of the way the new system is mm. with the expanded Champions League. Port, the fifth league is getting four teams in the league, and there is a good possibility if Portugal keeps doing well and the French teams keep sucking. Because they're basically being held up by PSG. France yeah, is yeah. not really the fifth strongest league. It just has... It's the league with PSG. Yeah, yeah. PSG is the fifth strongest um, league by itself, basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are good clubs in France. But, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, a league that has clubs like, you know, Sporting, Porto, Benfica and Braga is stronger than, you know, a league with... You know, when you discount PSG, it's got Lyon... You know, Nantes, Marseille, you know, things like like they're good clubs, but Portugal's there's a reason why there've been like you know 
four Europe, European Cups slash Champions Leagues won by Portuguese clubs and only one by French clubs in history. <laughs> like, that's... Those are... Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah. And, like, if they become the fifth place team and they get four clubs, there's a decent chance that that club would be owned... would be the Chelsea-owned club just from the backing and finance they would have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To, like the way RB Salzburg pretty much rules Austria, the Austrian yeah. league. Now, like, and before we get into the thing about why does Leipzig and Salzburg get into the league, it's because technically Red Bull don't own Leipzig. Yeah. <laughs> They've done a very, like, clever loophole that Leipzig is still owned by the Leipzig Lawn Bulls Club. It mm -hmm. just so happens all the voting members are Red Bull employees. <laughs> There's only five of them. Yeah. Or something like that. Well, that's how that goes, but, I guess. Look, the tech, on a technicality, RB Leipzig is not Red Bull Leipzig, even if that's their nickname. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But technically, Red Bull don't own them. They just own uh, uh, RB Salzburg, so... Yeah. That's their uh, thing. That's how they get around it. Chelsea are not going to do that sort of shenanigans, I don't not think. exactly. Well, unlikely. Given that he's publicly talking about it, so... I mean, so were Red Bull. I suppose, yeah. So, like, sure, he might pull something like that and be like, yeah, I'm technically not the owner. And then it becomes a very... Um, well, it becomes a very interesting situation. Like, so... City Group have gone like they've got a few clubs in Europe, but they're all pretty much, um, you know, they're clubs in the second, third division in European leagues. Yeah. There isn't, excuse me, Girona, I think, got relegated into the second league, but you know, could maybe potentially one day become a top tier club, but um, I don't think they're breaking to the top three of Spanish football. Mm, no, Even unlikely. with City's money. Yeah. Um, but the thing is also as a big group, as a combined earner, and if you do your sums cleverly with the accounts and joint marketing and like, you know, things of scale, you can have a lot more money available to you from an FFP perspective to be part of a group. Yeah, and that's, that's beneficial. And um, that's beneficial in your own league to keep you competitive. Yeah, so, yeah. We're, it's definitely watch this space. Like Todd Burley seems to have more vision about what to do with Chelsea, even if it's at least he wants to do something. Yeah. If not, I own this and like leave it to make money, like Cronky and the Glaziers. Where mm. you know it's ridiculous. You know the Glaziers clearly are just you know sucking money out of Manchester United for yeah, yeah. every penny. Um. <laughs> Stan Kroenke is a bit more of a complicated relationship because apparently he did not have a full ownership of Arsenal till 2019 and that's when they had their right. first big spending spree. So yeah. he wasn't willing to spend a lot of his own money on something where it was still a partnership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's understandable just, as well. Yeah, and like he's also now spending and done all these things. So... So... These, now that he's got the full ownership, it'll be uh, 
Arsenal are probably got a different spending model going forward. Um, you know, Stan Kroenke is not afraid to just spend money to win things. That's what he did with the LA Rams. Uh, yeah. Um, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, we, uh, I can see Arsenal becoming successful and like multi-sport empire. Once again, he's got a multi-sport empire. Yeah. Yeah. And the Glaziers technically have one as well. Um, so it's becoming increasingly difficult to see like the whole independent, like the, oh, the independent, uh, uh, you know, a uh, fan-owned club like Real Madrid, Barcelona is definitely yeah. like the, 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 you know, like Bayern Munich. Like, those are, they almost feel like your local dairy down the road now. Like, <laughs> sure, they're mega clubs, don't get me wrong, but compared to this, you know, multinational companies that the other clubs are. Yeah, exactly. It just, yeah, right. Feels quaint. Byproduct of yeah. bygone day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what are your uh, uh, thoughts on the... Well, let's just call it the first hundred days of the Bowley regime at Chelsea. <laughs> um, I'm actually, despite everything, strangely confident still. I'm still feeling somewhat happy that I think you're right, like, Boldy's a guy with plans, and he has a direction, and he knows what he wants, and they're big, wonderful plans that I think even he's like, this is just, you know, ideal states. This would be really awesome if it was something like this, something like this. Don't know how we can make it work, but hey, wouldn't this be cool? Um, and, and it's actually quite refreshing. It's like something new and interesting. Um... Performance-wise, like, mm, I'm not you know, say we discussed at the beginning. Not sure about the whole Tuchel sacking thing, all the process around it, and how it's all sort of played out. Um, Potter, like, definitely seems good, and and seen good things from him. Um, once again, just got to get the the results, but. Uh, feel like he's going to get those in the short term and probably more for this year like I feel confident that any um, deficiencies that are there will be sorted out um, where are Chelsea going to finish um, at this point of the season we and I both agree City first so if it's not yeah I think the top three are City, Arsenal and Tottenham um, I don't see... I think those three are going to go away. I think I agree that City's... It's going to take something I, amazingly uh, special from the other two to stay with City the whole uh, season. I do think Arsenal are a bit vulnerable to injuries, but if they have normal injuries, not a disaster, horrific injury, like just normal, you know, every day every club gets injuries, sort of injuries, mm -hmm. they should still finish in the top three. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That. Is that, yeah. Ash... Uh, I, I, it would take a, something amazing for them to stay with City. I think I agree that yeah, City's going to win and probably win quite easily in the end. Arsenal, Tottenham fight out for second and third. Um, I think yeah, fourth will be where we might we might just sneak fourth, but I think yeah, fourth's going to be a bit of a 
a fight there and maybe Brighton and Fulham continue doing really well and stay in, in contention there. Um, but I think 4th, 5th, 6th is going to be between Liverpool, us and you. Um, and I'm yeah. not sure exactly what order those are going to end up in. So yeah, I'll be, yeah. I'll be hopeful and say that we'll end 4th, but we might end 5th. Yeah. I think Chelsea are going to finish 5th. I think United will finish 6th. I do think Liverpool will sneak in a 4th. Yeah. Just because they're Liverpool and it's They club. are Liverpool, yeah. And and they will bounce back, but... Yeah. As you say, and, you know, just... fresh Salah. Yeah, fresh Salah would yeah, make a big difference. So maybe that will just be the 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 thing. Once Salah's had his, his break over the World Cup, it comes back. And he'll have a point to prove, prove and everything, so... Um, There's another. There is a school of thought at United that Cristiano Ronaldo will be given like a light workload till the World Cup by Ten Hag, and after January, if he's not sold, he will be effectively like humming because he will play in the World Cup at like well, while being fresh. He's not going to be tired and over. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's probably his last World Cup. Yeah. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Uh, and if he has a big one, like, yeah, I'm saying, scores five goals at the World Cup, gets Portugal to the you know, quarters or semis, then yeah. he might come at United and be like, yeah, I'm carrying this 4-1 with me. Yeah. But that, that, yeah. So it's the opposite of a fresh player, more like a player who's, you know, humming along, and but not tired. Yeah. He's not burnt out yet. Yeah, exactly. Because there is a sweet spot there, and that there is that for Liverpool, you know, Salah being off for, or even um, Haaland being off for A winter break, that time. right? Yeah. It's the whole we've been asking that. for. The this is what the players have been asking for for ages. Like we need a yeah. winter break. I mean, thinking about about that, like the rate of players playing now and the whole break. I think like the players union in both in every European league kind of just need to go together like I think the way you know baseball you have pitch counts so you know once yeah, a yeah. baseball once a pitcher has a certain amount of pitch counts he's off the rotation for a few games to give his arm a chance to rest and recover and heal yeah 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 I was like thinking I reckon the football players just need to go yep once we have played 180 minutes, we men there has to be a mandated week between uh, our last minute and going uh, our next game. I see what you mean. Yeah. So if they rack up 180 minutes, then yeah, no midweek games. They're whatever. Midweek game is. They're they're forced. So like, yeah, I play a game 90 full 90, another game full 90, another game full 90. Then I have to take. A week off. So it's 270, but yeah. Well, sorry, 270. Oh, sorry, sorry, 180. So yeah, one week, one game, one game, and then yeah, that's I have to take a week off. Yeah. It's just just as a, I don't the the numbers don't have to be what they are there, yeah. but you know what I mean, like, but if I have taken a week off between a game, like if I've taken seven days off, it re refreshes my 180. Yeah. So even if I've only played 50. Uh, get 50 minutes, if I've taken a week off from that game and another game, then you've refreshed your thing. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. So, to me, it might be 270, so that'd be three. Yeah, 270. Maybe, uh, 
maybe 250, so it's not quite three full games in a week. So, yeah, the sets. Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, then rest. Uh, and maybe that's yeah. Yeah, not quite full games. Maybe there's a yeah. special thing of like it's 250 games, but you don't you're not forced substituted off. But if you go over that amount, it goes from seven to ten days that they can't. So you're giving yeah, them a bit that. of extra time. Like you know you're yeah. like if a game goes to extra time and you need to keep that player on and whatnot. Yeah. 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 And it's basically allows for that to go through, and it just keeps the players fresh and less injury prone. You're pretty much um, mandating the the city rotation system. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a good thing. Like, it's, I think city's showing that that's a a good plan. Like, this is how yeah. you keep your players injury-free, fresh, performing at their best, yeah. and like emotionally healthy, good yeah, mental exactly. headspace, and all this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, all the good stuff. And like. The, I mean, it's not as necessary in the championship because very few players are playing multiple games in a week yeah. in that competition. But, you know, sure, if you do I, have a situation where you're playing a midweek cup game and a I league game... I think the championship has a few midweek rounds, though, don't they? Yeah. They fit all their, their games into the season. They have midweek games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah while they don't have European, they still have, yeah. League Cup, FA Cup, and then they've got league games midweek some um, sometimes as well. Yeah. So that's still a lot of games they've got. You could probably implement it all the way down. Yeah. The football pyramid, all the top four things. Because yeah. for League One, League Two, it won't necessarily be that. You don't need to have that much bigger a squad. No, exactly. Because, yeah. Like once you get down far enough, I think it's something that you could put into any professional at at for the entire professional part of the pyramid. Just, yeah. yeah. If it's a professional league, then yeah, this is this is the and, mandated rotations. Yeah, and it I think it needs to be a European wide. Yeah. And and there, I think there needs to be some like let's be honest, like Gavi playing something like 70 games for Barcelona last season, that's ridiculous it's effective, it's basically child labour he's like a 17 year old <laughs> like, I'm just imagining the sheer amount of like work he's putting in his body through playing that number of games and like, forget the emotional strain, like yeah like, the, like uh, how much is it shortening his career from exactly. just playing so much and getting his um, uh, getting his body uh, putting that pressure on his body yeah. when he still needs to grow out and you know exactly mature there's a lot of strain uh, going on his on his body um, and potential for some you know for, you know still day 17 so his body's a bit flexible and moldable but still potential for some serious injuries on that just from the amount of yeah. game time and that's going to set him back and set back his development and set back his, his physical well-being as well if that happens. So, yeah. yeah, it's crazy to think about, about playing that many games. I mean, I think there has to be, especially, like, younger players, like, there has to be a thing of, like, if you're under 18, you can't be forced to work adult hours. Like, I think maybe if you're under 18, 180 minutes, and then you do have that enforced break. Yeah, I know, I think so. And, like... 
you cannot play more than oh, let's say 25 times 90 if you're under 18 whatever that number ends up being or for the whole season. season for the yeah. whole season yeah that let's see yeah, 2000 on playing and then 2200 so yeah and then if you're uh over a if you're over uh if you're over the age of 18 maybe we make it 20 just do the science like you know get you know physiologists yeah. who study this to get the thing and just go hey we need to have uh, if you have maybe it's 2,500 a season for p players over 20. Yeah. And you, you... we can get some proper science and on this and and yeah. come up with total minutes that are are reasonable for yeah for everyone. And if it's like the players' unions in all the leagues in Europe and they like enforce that in. UEFA, and they basically go anybody transferring into this league from another uh, confederation, uh, you know, if they've played 1,000... Uh, bring uh, your minutes with you, right, for the for the calendar year. Yeah, you bring, your the... you bring your minutes with you into the yeah. season. Yeah. And if, yeah, they'll we'll so work out some complicated... We'll make yeah. some complicated... Uh, you know, we'll make some complicated formula around, okay, what, how many game, you know, when, if you have a different season starting date, <laughs> Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you just have it since the last big break, so that if you, say, had three weeks or two weeks off, that yeah. resets, that's the reset. Like, it's like, yep, th a three-week break means a reset of your time, so you just carry minutes since the last three-week or month break that you yeah. had for whatever reason so if you're hadn't be off for any reason if you had no yeah but that would be your two weeks off for you know for your like 270 right like if you've taken a week off that's your 270 but if you've yeah no it, that's that it's longer so it'd be a longer break so you got your short break to reset your 270 but your years your season's worth of minutes need a season break so that's what four weeks five weeks whatever like maybe longer as a, a a long long rest and the long rest yeah. resets your season minutes and so you're saying yeah. you've got like 2500 minutes for the season that's total that that's just a set number that's what every player has and as soon as they reach that that's it they're done for the season like you've got a squads you know managers you've got to manage your, your overall minutes of your players you just can't have people just playing the yeah. whole time um, and then you've got your 250 or 300 or whatever it is um, minutes that's your that's your game minutes that's your week minutes basically and yeah once you reach that that's uh, yeah. a seven day stand down or seven day rest before you play your next game that's just to manage people through and you just yeah I think the other thing there is just making sure that everything sort of adds up between those two sets of numbers you know for your seasons minutes and for your your playing minutes yeah And the yeah that and that that'll probably work something like that would be yeah. really good. As and you said, if you've got like an international tournament in the middle, 
there might be some special rules around. Okay, the moment that you are you played your last game for that international tournament, you must be given three weeks off before you play another game for your club. Yeah. So, I think you know, that'll be like you can have a three weeks before, you know, two weeks before that tournament, three two weeks after, um, and then you know. I think at this point we're just making sure that the windows for the big international tournaments have properly um, scheduled rest periods before and after. Like you yeah. can't just go straight from playing club football straight into a tournament and then straight out of it back into club football again. Like no, like these are high. We've got to recognise these are high stress, um, high pressure yeah. environments for both of them, and both have their own stresses and everything, and that people need to. Yeah. Um, have the time yeah. around but that. Footballers are people too. Exactly. Strangely enough, they are. Yeah. Like, I think we... Like, it's... One of those things where I don't know why players' unions aren't mandating it. Because I think it, at the end of the day, every... I guess every football player is thinking along the lines of, you know, we've got this short window to make as much money as possible. And we should, you know, play as many games as possible so we can get as much, you know, appearance money from our sponsors and yeah, all these other things. Whereas, like, I think somebody in a players' union needs to properly do the research, do the math and the analytics and show everybody, like, look, pushing yourself through this just means you're losing two or three years later on, which you could have. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you are... And you're less likely to get injured, you know, and things like this further on. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's better to have a longer career with less games per season than, like, a short career with lots of games per season. Yeah. Especially with the the higher chance of injury and the, the mental toll that's, that's coming with that. Like, yeah. yeah. Take the first option. Yeah, yeah. Like, my other thought to revolutionize like the health aspect of yeah. uh, player health in football is I think what if the Premier League mandated that every club has to pay for footballers therapy bills yeah and like especially including your youth team players who you're not you know, oh, who you're letting go and then things like this like just to make that transition from especially for a lot of not every player is going to take it but if every, every player who's like yep oh i have Hi. a run I, I have a running thing with my therapist i think like the club just goes yep we pay for that now i think actually it could almost be a mandated thing that's just part of your your training is you know once a week you spend half an hour an hour with a therapist you know you don't draw that may not you may just sit there and Nothing really much comes out of it, or, you know, but when you need it, it's, it's there, and you just, it's already part of being a professional footballer, it's just, it's part of it, yeah. you know, part of being a professional footballer is turning up for training, another part is turning up for signings and the fan stuff, another one is you're going to a therapist, like, it's just, it's probably good for standard people anyway, um, yeah. but yeah, it's just making sure their mental health is forefront as well as their physical health. Yeah. Exactly, because you know burnout, 
like yeah. you know, obviously depression, mental health issues are a big thing, but I'm just talking about regular mental strains that you know we go through as uh, as humans, like without having to get through the you know pro a very serious mental illness is like you know dealing with your burnout, dealing with your anxiety, dealing with your you know just dealing with the pressure of the situation. Like these are people yeah. who are having to perform at such a high level day in day yeah. out. Um, saying like, and under extreme physical um, exertion as well. Like, yeah. And if they made one small mistake, like they're getting crucified by millions of people. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely taking a strain on, and they know that. So it's definitely taking a strain on whatever mental health they are. Sure, they've got a, you know, to get to this level, you've got really good mental fortitude. You've you've built your way up, but. That should say that you're definitely going to need this sort of stuff um, and, and going forward as well. What is like, like Cristiano Ronaldo? This, you know, last season, like he had, the, you know, unfortunately, his child passed away when his yeah. wife was giving birth. And like, what is the club doing to support him through? Like, there's a lot of things, and I'm glad that a lot of United fans have been like, look, look let's give him a free pass for some of his emotional reactions and like wanting to leave the club and all that because at the end of the day he's been through a lot and maybe he does need a change of scenery even if it's not i mean sure he's saying it's for he wants to champions league football but could also just be you know i just need to be somewhere else now like yeah i can't be here and yeah, like and it's possibly that's just the way also the grief or the the mental um yeah turmoil is presenting itself as well like it yeah these sort of things do that so it can yeah, be that and that's how he's processing at the moment is oh, i need to play at the best i need to be there i need to be champions league football yeah and like i think if the club did offer like a therapist who's Cristiano ronaldo's therapist that person doesn't work for manchester united or no no exactly they're just they're just paying the bills that yeah. and you know the and the player decides who they go to yeah to because they need to find somebody they trust and you know works with them and like that could be something your agent does for you like you know work out who is a good fit for you to go to therapy with yeah 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 you know and like the whole uh once that you know uh like that's like what happens Cristiano Ronaldo that's a bit of an extreme case obviously you know real tra your personal tragedy but, you know, even players like your know, youth players who don't make it on and, you know, have to give up on their careers or because of an injury or whatever, you know. Or they're having trouble because of home life stuff and they need, like, you know, someone to talk to so they can, uh, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, get on with things. It's just like, yeah. yeah. I, it would be a huge cost, but, uh, you know, these clubs make a lot of money out of football players. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's not actually as huge a cost as that. Like they've got much bigger costs. They say yeah. they make plenty of money out of these football players. They can spend a few thousand looking after their mental health. Like it's, it's yeah. Reality is not that big a cost. I mean they're doing yeah. it for everyone. I, yes, there's the like their first team. It's basically not a just a few more pennies in the expense side. Sure, the first team will have to be paying. You know their success pays for the money that's ensuring yeah. that the youth players and stuff are getting this therapy as well because that's said that's really important i think that 
all the youth team has got this and it's starting to be embedded in them that this is just part of professional football is that you look after your mental health and so part of that is you know your regular sessions with your trusted therapist and you talk through the issues you make sure that everything's going okay and that you're looking yeah. after your mental health and stuff like that's just just comes with the territory it's just yeah what what you do yeah yeah and like luckily football doesn't have the issues with CTE and all that like as yeah, much as much but yeah that's uh yeah it's even if, if it is a thing that's uh, gonna start affecting footballers like uh, somebody who's regularly maintaining logs of somebody's behavior and what they say is gonna be useful in you know early signs catching that stuff out yeah and definitely and and helping with that um yes if there is problems being able to um look at statistics as well and just checking like what is what is causing it where are the issues and stuff so you know if they do need to make rule changes or need to change how the yeah. game's played to, to protect players health from from that sort of stuff as well then you know you've got that data there to help help drive those decision making yeah yeah exactly so yeah those are my solutions to the two biggest problems affecting to the biggest health problems affecting world football. Nice. If we're playing too much football, we need a pitch count. That's just the only way I can see that work. No, no, I think that makes... Count. Yeah, uh, that actually makes... Oh, both of these make a lot of sense. But yeah, minute count makes a lot of sense. They say it's the city system mandated across everywhere else. It's said, hey... Yeah. This is actually good. They say, once again, a bit of science in there, and we can come up with some some numbers for weekly minutes or you know content consecutive minutes that before burnout starting and for minutes over our entire season and then teams can start managing it um so yeah i guess the only real problem that comes out of that would be um player spread because the big clubs will want all the it's not like they don't do it anyway but want all the big players more so so that they can um, always be turning out a, a a really strong side, and so it's going to get more of the top players more concentrated than that. But your you know your fair play rules and all the rest help to contra- um, contract that, so that'll be fine. Yeah, if you're going to play so much more, to have someone not not a bench warmer even like just not even be in your match day squad, yeah, then you know that's Rather than take promote players from your youth system. Oh yeah, exactly. So, per se, FPA will probably deal with most of it. Um, players wanting to play to get into national sides, get World Cups, and things will be will be part of it as well. But that's just the downside I can see is that the bigger clubs will want an even bigger pool of the the top talent and they already tried to grab so yeah yeah but yeah we've talked about this before like at we one have. point it's a diminishing returns like you can yeah. good players at some point want to play and you yeah, can exactly. only have 11 players at a time exactly so you're right like it there is is forces that counteract that it's just that's just the like, thing i see is that the less film you're you know, the less you're on the playing on the pitch and getting film of you playing well the less 
you know, the more your stock goes down when you're a good player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As you say, so it just adds an extra pressure from the other side, that's all. So it's just how that rebalances itself. But I, I sort of feel like it wouldn't be too much of a problem because of those reasons, because of the current financial rules in place anyway. So there's only so much clubs can be spending um, and players' desires. Like you say, top players want to be playing. They don't want to be sitting on the bench or not even sitting on the bench and just being like, oh, this week I don't even get to play. Like they want to be close to the action. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just gonna be like get the numbers and do a proper, you know, showcase yeah. of why it why it should work that way. Exactly. And the other one of just having therapists for professional footballers just makes a lot of sense. And footballers in the youth system of big clubs. Yeah. Oh yeah, I should that's your point. We say professional footballers it's the the Footballers of professional clubs is perhaps a yeah. better way of putting it then. So you yeah. cover for everybody. So you cover the youth players. You cover, yeah, right down the the youth development um, um, slide. Yeah. Like a bit of I mean, it might not be viable in League 1 and 2 where players are earning like, you know, 1,000 less or what or less than 1,000 pounds a week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, championship and above definitely it's, i think definitely viable i think the other thing there that's just part of what the top of the pyramid's got to fund like once again there's some funds that are just got to trickle down some that's like well it's player welfare like you just don't need to have um maybe at that point you know you get down near the bottom of the pyramid you don't need to have you know, a, a therapist per player maybe it's a therapist for the team and that might make things a little cheaper but yeah yeah and I mean it doesn't off. necessarily have to pay for all of it like you know it could no. just be like okay let's just say arguments like weekly therapy half an hour weekly therapy sessions are five hundred dollars mm. and the club sets aside five hundred dollars per player per week for that yeah um, and that's the capped amount if that player has a therapist who's a two thousand dollars per person thing the club goes yep yeah, we subsidize up to five hundred dollars but you, yeah. you're already with a therapist and you're spending extra money on your own. It's like when you get a, your own personal trainer and your own personal physio yeah, exactly. and size person. Like, okay, like that's fine. The club was just like, oh, we subsidize this though because, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because therapy is not like, you know, personal trainer coming in t using the, you know, the club trainer is one thing like yeah, versus like, you know, talking to a therapist who works for the club as opposed to, you know, th a therapist you trust. And it might be a therapist who works for the club, but, you know. Yeah. True and maybe at youth level that, that could be, yeah, for youth level that could be more the go because, yeah. you know, their their problems are less about superstar, you know, pressure yeah. versus... Well, at the youth level it's definitely just about, A, getting them getting them the tool set for if they made it to superstar level um, and coping mechanisms for for the pressures of trying to get there. Yeah. And understanding of exactly what those mental pressures are at that level. So that 
they have that understanding and that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been thinking heaps about, you know, player. Because we all go on about too much football, but I was like, nobody seems to put an idea forward about how to sort yeah. it out. Yeah, exactly. It's all well and good to say, oh, there's too much football. It's like, well, what are you going to do? You can shorten the, lessen the number of games, or how are we doing this? I think, yeah. We all know there's not going to be less games being played. So yeah. the other way if is they to... accept that there's going to be heaps of games, but, you know, players can only, good players can only play a certain amount of hours per thing, then they have mm. to be like, oh, okay. How do we, because we can't just, you know, squeeze more and more things out of these players. Yeah. So, it, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. It's the city city model. It's like, this is how City's done it. They've made sure they've got a big enough squad. They've got people that cover each position. Everybody knows how they're doing it. And then, they say, their top players played like 24, 25 games last season. Yeah. So, yeah. Sees 25 is probably games a season is probably the magic number. Yeah, between 25 and 30 is where yeah. we want players to be at, right? Yeah. I'm going to say, if you have 25 times 90, probably is going to come up to about right. So, obviously, they can have less than they can play more games than 25, but they played less than 90 minutes per game. Yeah. There, maybe 27, maybe 30 at the utmost, like, and maybe there's a range, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or because we're also allowing like five substitutes, so there's even more of a yeah. ability to be flexible with, uh, with the player, uh, with the players, because I think. Unlike rugby, where unlimited substitutes has basically turned into a weapon, that's caused more injuries, it seems. Yeah. Because it's a more physically competitive sport. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, in football, that's less likely because you get... your Most of your injuries come from wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. Wear and tear breakdown on your body. So, but, you know, getting rest and, like, I think just proper conditioning like you get that week to just condition and train like there's nothing stopping you from you can still go to training and like yeah, yeah. you know but it's also in a way good like if you're a coach who has good trainers and assistants with you you can take people like oh these guys have the week off we're gonna drill this because you can come yeah. back for this game and we're gonna drill these things and yeah, yeah. you don't have to worry about a game you can just spend your time drilling and you know yeah, getting ready, yeah, preparing for this game, and this is the way we're going to play this game. So this is the players for that game, so they're drilling for that. This guys are doing this game, then they'll do that game, so they'll drill in this way, and some of them are just doing this first game, yeah, the Champions League game, so they've been doing their drills for that. And so it just adds I would say adds it will put a huge wrench on fantasy football. <laughs> well, yeah. Poor us fantasy football players and managers. I know. It will it'll destroy our squad structure and how we build teams for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, that just throws a new new strategy in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Def but yeah, those are the 
thoughts I had since we last spoke in our last podcast. But yeah, yeah. I think we should we should put it out there. Definitely. Get people to spread this idea. But no, yeah, yeah, I think but I think that's all we have time for today. Mm-hmm. And so um thank you very much to all of us all of you listening. Um look forward to hearing from you next time. Catch you next time. Well, that is the end. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you liked what you heard, be even more. Find Fixball to Discord and a buy me a coffee. Pretty sure it's buy me a beer. Oh yeah, buy me a beer on buymeacoffee.com. In both these places, you can talk to us, and we may even listen. Especially if you do buy a said beer or coffee. I might still be confused. Yes, we're easily bribed. All links are in the show notes below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This is on YouTube.